Smarties, we're excited to bring to you today's episode about the intersectionality of math and executive functioning. We are excited to offer you a freebie. If you are already on our email list, you received that freebie in your inbox this morning. And if you are interested in receiving the freebie, go sign up for our email list, which you can do at www.learnsmarterpodcast.com. You can also go to the individual episode page of this episode, which is 147, to get that freebie as well and get added to our list. We love to be connected with you that way, and we promise we're not spammers. Today, we're talking about, like I said, the intersectionality of math and executive functioning and how specifically executive functioning impacts math ability. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 147 of Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today we're talking about math. Yay. My fave. <laughs> I like math too. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about math in our math series, which we'll make sure to link the previous episodes in the show notes. I see Steph going to write it right now. And one of the things that we realized is that we really hadn't spent an entire episode discussing sort of the impact of executive functioning deficits and strengths on math skills. And so we really wanted to highlight that in today's episode. So just to sort of review, Steph, do you want to share what executive functioning is if Smarties are newer to the podcast? Yeah. So executive functioning, short and sweet definition, is how you know what to do, how to live your life. So for kids that are in school, this is knowing what homework you have, when it's due, how to approach it, how to actually get it done, where your stuff is when you need it. It's memory, it's organization, it's time management, it's attention. It's knowing what the plan is and being able to work backwards from it. And execute it. And execute it. So what is the result that you want and working backwards? And that's why it's so often so difficult for students to kind of move forward because they don't know what the end result should look like. Exactly. So for adults with executive functioning, because everybody deals with executive functioning in their life, whether you know it or not, but executive functioning for an adult might look like knowing what time you need to get to work and working backwards in the morning, what time you need to wake up because you know you need to get ready, you know you need to get things ready for the day or get your kids to school or pack your lunch or your drive time, all of that. So you work backwards to know what time to wake up in the morning. So let's dig into sort of how EF impacts math ability. And so one of the things that we often say is that bright students tend to not develop math skills until things become overwhelming. And then it can be kind of a struggle. Usually it becomes overwhelming when you get to multi-step problems in middle school and kids who are bright and can kind of do everything in their head will. And therefore, they don't learn compensatory strategies of how to show your thinking on the page and those sorts of things until there's a problem. Until it's too hard. The bright kids that just understand the fundamentals, they can't sit there and explain to you how they got there, but they got there. And because math in younger grades is so basic and automatic or assumed automaticity. 
how to skip count or your multiplication facts, those kinds of things. Literally, there's not necessarily a strategy. Right. You sit there and explain. So now we get to word problems that are multi-step. Now we get to harder math, middle school math, headed up to high school math. And so this is where executive functioning really starts to show a problem. So you'll get kids that right. will say, I used to love math and now I hate it. And the parents say, my son was really good at math and now all of a sudden it's his worst subject. Mm-hmm. And this is why. So let's dig into some of the ways executive functioning skills can impact math and math ability. And the first way is that students will often skip copying the problem onto their page or copy the problem incorrectly. We always tell students that teachers and us, and they should be able to recreate their thinking on the page when looking back and they shouldn't have to go back into the textbook. Mm -hmm. And students who struggle with executive functioning often want to skip steps. Yep. And struggle with showing their thinking on the page. So this is a difficult task or they'll be fast and impulsive or have visual processing stuff, or there's all sorts of reasons underlying executive functioning challenge, why they would copy the problem incorrectly. When the student gets like an answer that quote unquote, doesn't make sense. It's the first question I ask is, did you copy the correct problem correctly? And I can't tell you how often a student will copy the first half of one problem, the second half of another problem, or miss a minus and it should have been a plus, like those types of things. Yeah. Or even copying the odd when it was supposed to be the evens or vice versa. It's just the wrong problem in general. Right. And they got the right answer for that problem, but that's not number eight. Right. That happens all the time. Painful. Yes. Right? So another thing is the impulsivity of answering too quickly. Mm -hmm. So this shows up when they think they know and they haven't read through it, like word problem, for instance. If it's multi-step, they're looking at the first part or the last part and not really thinking through what they need to do to actually answer it, which is one of the things that like encouraging them to slow down and think about the process is really important. But the impulsivity of, oh, I got the answer. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. Steph, I want you to talk about this next one. Time blind. Students with executive dysfunction, students with ADHD, this is a huge thing that they struggle with and that they're trying to figure out and overcome. So being time blind with math is one of those things where They think that a math assignment will take two minutes and it takes an hour and a half. Right. Or vice versa. They think it's going to take an hour and a half and so they dread it. They don't want to do it. They won't start, but it actually only takes a few minutes. They avoid. And this is where the impulsivity comes in because if they over or underestimate, then they either don't do it or want to rush through it because they think it's going to take too long and then they're not copying the problem correctly and all the other things that are on the list after this come into the whole equation and become a problem. Mm -hmm. All right. The fourth one is getting lost on the paper. So this is incredibly common with students who struggle with executive functioning, that they try to use up every corner, every inch of the page, and therefore they're using scratch notes and they're putting it in between other problems. And because we've taught this generation and our generation to preserve paper, have respect for trees, that's always the pushback is like, I don't want to waste 
right? Like there's almost a fear about wasting, but we've talked in other, in previous episodes about how we have to encourage students to use the paper effectively. Otherwise it is a waste. If you're not able to recreate your thinking and show your thinking and demonstrate your thinking in a linear fashion on the page, then it's worthless to you. It's worthless to the teacher because as we often talk about, math teachers will give partial credit for things if they can understand what happened. Mm-hmm. And so teaching kids how to use the page effectively, giving them rules and boundaries and guidelines oftentimes will mitigate this, but also they tend not to like it until they see the benefit of it. And it can take a little while. So oftentimes we'll get pushback from the kids. Sometimes parents will step in and say they really don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's harder and they have to think through it and it's more difficult, but they're getting the answers correct. So we're going to tell them we're just going to build up an uncomfortable habit that they don't enjoy. It's okay sometimes for them not to love everything if you know it's beneficial. Right. It's true. Mm -hmm. And this leads into the next part, which is not having a formulaic strategy and approach. You know, I really encourage students, you know, for the teachers that require them to memorize a formula, Mm -hmm. putting it on the paper the minute that they sit down to take that test, right? Absolutely. Having a strategy that they can look and use as a visual cue and aid and then recopying it and then plugging in what they need to plug in is extremely beneficial, but very hard for students who struggle with executive functioning. I don't know that we've talked about that strategy before. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I used to do that as a student and I tell my kids to do that too, but I don't know that we've ever talked about it on the podcast. Hmm, interesting. Well, yeah. not every teacher does this. Some teachers give the equations and you don't need to memorize them, but some teachers want them to know area, base times height, right. or you know things like that. And it helps a lot of students at the top of the page have all the different formulas that they're going to need with what's also very helpful is I encourage drawing pictures. Yep. So then they can see what they're going to need for each problem. It's very clearly there, and it's almost like a table of contents. They're looking at the recipe on how to solve the problem. And so this is another thing that we often encourage when there's a problem is that they need to figure out an area. I have the students draw the shape rather than just use the numbers because being able to see it and understand what is being asked of them is going to help them get to the correct answer and really fundamentally know how they need to approach the problem. Perfect. Number six is doing a problem without bothering to understand the concept. Mm-hmm. This is particularly true oftentimes when the type of problem you are doing is shifting. So let's say you just did 10 of one type of problem and now you're shifting to another iteration of the same concept, but you have to do it in a slightly different way. Students will get stumped at this point and that's because they weren't deeply connected to what was happening conceptually, but also this will pop up with word problems. We've done a whole episode on how to sort of manage word problems and creating a formulaic approach to word problems, making sure students deeply understand what they're being asked and why they're being asked. If we're talking about cupcakes, helping students to visualize or draw a cupcake next to the problem gives them processing time as well. But this is something that often will come up and it's because of the underlying executive functioning issues that emerge that make it difficult for students to pause, reflect, and understand. For younger students, let's say they've learned how to add fractions with different denominators. 
in one lesson. The next lesson is subtracting fractions with different denominators. The next lesson homework is adding and subtracting fractions with different denominators. Mm -hmm. How many times have you seen your student then do all addition or all subtraction or a myriad of different addition and subtraction? Because they never actually looked or like one row by one row. And some of those problems aren't even possible when you really look. They just sort of make it up (laughs) as they go. Like you can't subtract a bigger number. So they decided to add instead. So looking at really the concept and having them slow down about that is important. Can you explain what working memory is to our audience first? Working memory is taking in information, knowing what's important and not important, and using the important information to do whatever you need to do. So it's not the information that goes in your long-term or short-term memory. It's stuff that you need to remember in that moment. So you read a word problem, you decide what you need to do with the information, and then you have to sit there and remember if it's a multi-step problem, first you need to add, then you need to subtract or whatever it is. And so because there's so many steps, students who don't write down what they need to do or vocalize what steps they need to take get lost mid-problem and forget to do it. Exactly. The next thing that is incredibly common of students who struggle with executive functioning is not checking their work. And we have to be realistic about what we mean about checking work. What we're talking about when we're talking about checking work is not going through the problems where answers make sense in the context of the problem. If you know, for example, that the culture of the homework that your teacher assigns is to give you whole answers in the problem and you get a whole answer. It's not something that you necessarily need to go back and check over. But if your answer is a decimal, yeah, you should go back and look it over. Or if it doesn't make logical sense, going back to my previous cupcake example, if you start off with 12 cupcakes and you know you're subtracting 10, but you wind up with 22 cupcakes, that doesn't make sense in the problem. So we need to go back and look it over. The other area that is really critical that students check over their work is after a test. And this is something that we talk about when being an effective studier, when it comes to math, is going back and looking over where the mistakes were for a couple different reasons. And this is how you get buy-in from students sometimes. You challenge them to go and see that the teacher may have made a mistake. Students love finding out that the teacher made a mistake on a problem. It also shows the humanity of people when teachers are the ones that make a mistake. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's how you get them to go and buy in. And maybe you can even argue for some extra points. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to self-reflect and have that time. And most students get the tests returned and that's the end of it. Yep. We talk about studying happening in three phases. What do you already know going in? reviewing what you need to relearn, Mm -hmm. taking the test. And then the final phase of studying is reflecting back on what happened. Yep. You don't want to just move forward because you're not going to iterate and shift your study plan and your study strategies or improve your scores, especially if you have a teacher who will consistently bring up old ideas Mm -hmm. if you don't fully understand them. Yeah. Or if you don't know what you don't know. Yes. You've got to learn what you don't know. Yep. All right. On that note, So Smarties, just a reminder, be on our email list. You can sign up at www.learnsmarterpodcast.com so that you automatically get freebies like the one we sent out today. So have a great week. Have a great week.